15 from 11 to 32. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together. All he had set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wide living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He lodged to fill his stomach with the pots that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father, and said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the elder son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The elder brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet he never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when his son, but when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitute, comes home, you kill the fattened cow for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we've had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Thank you. Thanks, Godwin. It's really a parable of uh, a father and two lost sons. And we're going to look at the older son today. Do you know, there's been many, many people who have been inspired by this, um, uh, this, this story. One person is Henry Nouwen. He was a Catholic, um, Dutch Catholic priest, and he wrote this book, based on this uh, parable, but also based on a painting by Rembrandt, painted in the uh, 17th uh, century. Uh, you're going to be able to see it now, the return of the prodigal son. And uh, it pictures the father, 
uh, it pictures the son kneeling before the father, the, the, the prodigal son. You can see he's uh, a bedraggled figure. He's almost barefoot. He's got a shaved head and uh, he's in rags virtually. And the father compassionately welcoming him back. The father in his red robe, the old man with his arms over the shoulders of the younger son who's just bowing before him, kneeling before him. And uh, this represents the father and the younger son. But on the right, you can see a tall figure, a tall figure who stands with his arms kind of folded, a figure who stands looking down on the younger son, looking down also on the father, amazingly. Uh, and this represents the older son. Now you could say, well, the older son wasn't there when the younger son came back. It's not factually accurate, but it's spiritually accurate because it portrays the whole story. The older son looking down, all tall, all proud, but looking down. I wonder, can you ever relate to the older son? Can you ever relate to the older son? Do you know, when I was a teenager, I was a little bit like the prodigal son. I went off. I was a bit of a, a wayward teenager, but I came to God and I became a Christian when I was 20 years old. And uh, I, I found God, or I should say, God found me. Uh, but then, since the age of 20, I've been a good boy. I've been a really committed Christian. Uh, and I've been at all the meetings and I've been going to church faithfully and I've read my Bible and I've been to prayer meetings and I've even become a church minister. How committed is that? I'm a good boy. And uh, I, I can relate to the older son because he never went off. He, he stayed at home. He was a good boy. Uh, but in my times of being a good boy, I've uh, sometimes felt Actually, I, I've looked down on others. I'm the committed one here. I'm busting a gut here, working for God and for the kingdom. And those others are a bit flaky. I'm the one who's here, and everybody else just comes and goes as they please. I've been like the older brother, I've been proud. Do you know, once a week in our house, we have uh, a cleaning night. It's, it's as fun as it sounds. And uh, so uh, I'm very proud of this, actually, because the whole family cleans the house. And uh, my wife cleans the bathroom and the toilets. And um, I get the kids all lined up, and Irene hoovers the downstairs and Aiden mops the hard floors. And I've got it down pat. We have arguments, but we get it done. <laughs> and uh, it's a team effort to clean the house. But once everybody's done their chores, I keep going. You see, I'll hoover the upstairs. I will do the dusting. I will put the bins out. Now, part of that is because I want the satisfaction of the cleaning, and I... You know, we're not spick and span, but I, I, I quite, you know, I'm into that. <clears throat> a part of it, don't tell my wife this, but part of this, <laughs> certainly don't tell my daughter, part of it is because I like to feel smug and superior. 
I like to feel I worked harder than they did. I'll be getting really tired and it's getting late. I've been working all day and then I'm cleaning and then I've got an evening meeting. But it's okay because I'm going to clean more than the others. They finish their jobs. They're loafing around watching TV, but I'm keeping going. The hoovering still needs doing. And the house isn't quite done yet. And I'm keeping going, but it's okay because I'm committed. I can feel like the older brother sometimes. Now, I'm a younger son. I've got two older sisters. And that, that sometimes it's felt like I was the one going off. But, you know, I've become at times a bit like the older brother. I wonder, have you ever felt like that? Do you know, Jesus told this story to people who looked down on others, who were religious, who saw Jesus eating with sinners. And they judged the sinners and they judge Jesus. I wonder if this kind of religious attitude has done more damage to the church than anything else. Because people have seen a Christianity which is judgmental, which is joyless, which is smug and superior, and just makes you feel bad. Does anyone just like feel bad? I'm not asking for a show. You just feel bad. My wife now feels really bad. <laughs> That's what the older son does to you. He makes you feel bad. So, we've heard the last two weeks the story. There's a party going on. The father's thrown a party. He's so happy that his younger son is back. But meanwhile, do you know there's always a meanwhile? There's always a meanwhile. There's always something else going on. Meanwhile, the older son is out in the field. He hasn't got time for a party. You can act and frivolous and you know, waste your time having a party. There's work to be done. And I'm going to do it. I'm still out in the field. He comes near the house and he hears music and dancing. Do you ever walk past the venue and hear music and dancing and you think, what's going on? I wonder what it's like inside. What are they celebrating? Now, they just didn't, it wasn't like, well, we had club night or, you know, it wasn't like that. They had to be celebrating something. There had to be a party for something. Something had happened to mean that they would get together and rejoice. There was music and dancing. I know Brazil are out of the World Cup, but did you ever see what some of the players do when they score? What do they do? They're dancing. Isn't that, it's just great. That's their reaction. They scored a goal. I've scored a goal for my country. The whole of the country, big country, is rejoicing. What do we do? We dance. We rejoice. Now, it might not come so naturally to some of us, but that is what happen in this story. We're dancing. Why? Because it's time to celebrate. And so he calls one of the boys and says, what's going on? And he finds out. And we, rather than thinking, oh, well, I'm going to go in the house, I'm going to join the party, we're told he becomes angry and refuses to go in. Do you know, in the Father's presence, 
there is fullness of joy. There is rejoicing. There is a party going on. But if we're so full of resentment and bitterness and self-righteousness, that'll stop us going in. We'll be standing there like the man in the picture, arms folded. There's nothing wrong with folding your arms, especially when it's cold. I get that. But we'll be standing there not wanting to go in. It's sometimes me. Who's stopping me entering God's presence? Me. Oh, where are you, God? He's right there. It's just me refusing because I'm holding on to what I've done. I've been working. It's all about what I do. It's me, me, me. He becomes angry, furious that this party is happening. There is rejoicing and yet you're angry? This shouldn't be happening. And so then something very, very, very shocking happens. You see, this party isn't really for the younger son. This party is for the father. It's the father's party. And yet he has to leave the party to go and plead with the older son. You ever been to a wedding reception? And who's the, who, who are the stars of the wedding reception? Bride and groom, right? And when the bride and groom are on the dance floor, people get on the dance floor, don't they? When the bride and groom cut the cake, we all gather around. But just imagine the bride has a grumpy brother who's outside having a fight. And she has to go out of the reception to intervene and stop her brother fighting. He'd be ruining her wedding day, wouldn't he? That's what the older brother did to his dad. He ruined the party by saying, I'm refusing to come in and you've got to come out. He came out, father came out. Now, everybody would have thought, where's he going? What's he doing? In that picture by Rembrandt, there's other people in there. And there would have been other people coming out, finding out why is the father leaving the party? This is, you know, all the guests have come, all the community have come to celebrate with him. But we've got to go out and find out what's going on. And this older son is refusing to come in. Now, the younger son, when he addresses his dad, he is very rude. He, he, you know, he demands his share of the estate, but at least he calls him father. If you look carefully in that passage, the older son doesn't even call him father. He just says, look, he is so rude. He's so rude. He's so insulting to his father, but he can't see it because he's so consumed with bitterness and anger and self-righteousness. Look, all these years, I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. What kind of relationship did they have? Master-slave. Whose fault was that? Was it based on who the father really is? I've never disobeyed your orders. Well, he was, he was disobeying an order now by not going into the party. But he, he thinks he's done everything right. He never even gave me a young goat, never mind the fat calf, never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends, so I could have a private party with my friends. 
This son of yours comes back. Notice he's not a brother of mine. <laughs> this son of yours, he comes back. And then you kill the fatted calf. Do you know, we can be sat in church all our lives and get familiar with who God is, but never really know what Father is like. Older son never left home, but he's just as lost as the prodigal. Physically close but spiritually distant. He has a slave and master mentality. He thinks his dad is a slave driver. What's the father's response? You see, the father is not about master-slave. The father is all about relationship. And I want to tell you that father is all about relationship. He says, my son, the, the Greek word technon, very affectionate, it's like my child. You're always with me. You're always in my presence. Everything I have is yours. Now that was literally true by now. Because he divided the inheritance between the two sons. The younger son had squandered his share. But the older son now was officially the owner of the father's share. Now the father still had the right to do things. He was still the head of the household as it were. But the younger son actually... It was all his now. All I have is yours. Now, it could be that the older son is getting pretty cross because what's happened is the father has slaughtered the fatted calf and thrown a party, and that was going to cost the older son because <laughs> it's in his inheritance. I didn't sanction this party. It's all going to cost me money, money, money. So maybe there's some greed in there as well. My son... You are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. I mean, we just had to have a party. Because this brother of yours, notice, bringing him back into a relationship, this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. We had to celebrate. We have a glimpse here of the Father heart of God. We have the glimpse here of the potential for relationship here and now with Father God. God isn't looking for slaves. God is looking for children. God has called us to be children who also partner with him, who work with him. Yes, there'll be work to do, but it won't be slaving away. It'll be a joy because you'll be in the Father's presence. What is Father doing today? What is Father calling me to do? What conversations does Father want me to have? Am I just able to just enjoy Father's presence? He's that good. What kind of dad have you had as you were growing up? Was he stern? Was he standoffish? Was he a bit flaky? Was he a kind of father who flew off the handle? I don't know. We've all had different earthly fathers, but your heavenly Father just wants to be with you. He just wants to be with you. He just loves you so, so much. My child. And so entering into sonship, and I call it sonship because this is what the culture was all about. You become, uh, you, to, to, to enter into sonship isn't just to do the, do the stuff for your father, but it's in to enter into that full relationship. Now that's true whether we're male or female. 
So today, what's stopping you? What's stopping you from coming into the party? What's stopping us from enjoying the fullness of God's presence? I want to tell you, actually, the invitation is to all of us. You might not have the kind of testimony that says, yes, I was a drug dealer. Yes, I was, you know, uh, uh, guilty of all sorts of crazy things. You might have been a good boy. You might have been a good girl. You're welcome to. You're invited to. But actually, it's on you to come. The father pleaded, and he's still pleading today. But he can't force you, and he won't force you. He wants us as children to come willingly. So who wants to come into God's presence? Who wants to walk in God's presence? Yeah, I do. He's here right now. Holy Spirit is so, so present. And Father just wants to bless us. So who's up for that? Oh man. Just believe it. That this is true. That God is better than you could think. The Father really is a God of compassion. That reckless, never-ending love that we sang about is not wishful thinking. It's what the Bible says. Come into the party. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, Lord, you're so good. You're so good. Lord, I pray you continue to melt my heart. Continue to melt our hearts. Lord, we're sorry for those times where we've looked down on others, where we've been self-righteous. We thought it was all about what we do. We're so sorry. And we come back to you. We're sorry for where we thought we were better than others. We come back to you, Lord. Have mercy. Oh, you're so good, Father. You're so loving, so kind, so compassionate. Mm. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. I'm just going to live a little bit of quiet just for a moment.
Just lift your heart to him. This is love come down. God Almighty, who's high and lifted up, came down and pleaded with you to come to him. To come and rejoice with him. And he's pleading right now. Come. Come and enjoy the feast. Come and enjoy and just be with me. Hallelujah. There is rest in his presence. There is freedom in his presence. There is joy in his presence. He says, welcome back. Come home. And part of the coming home is to accept those who you might not necessarily want to hang out with that naturally, humanly speaking, you might look down on. The Father says, come on in and join the party. Hallelujah. Thank you for what you're doing, Lord. We bless what you're doing. Holy Spirit, we bless what you're doing. Hallelujah. 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 Yeah. Lord, you have been so, so good to me. Just invite the band to come, please. So he's for you, not against you. He's for you and not against you. He's for you and not against you. 